Hi, and welcome to the MSF Farm Talk podcast. My name is Tegan Buckley, and this is our first episode to kick off 2021. We hope that everyone has had an amazing festive season, and we're looking forward to hopefully a good season ahead. We're chatting about inversions in this episode this week with MSF's program manager, Tanya Morgan, who is chatting with Warwick Grace, who's a meteorologist and has been working on the Murraylands and Mallee Masonet project that MSF is involved in. We released in July 2020 an episode featuring an update on the project, and we specifically spoke about spray drift and the importance of the data that these towers will be able to provide us to help guide decisions. So I'll add a link to the episode in the description for you so you can head on over and have a listen to that episode if you haven't done so already. Without further ado, I will leave you with Tanya in this episode to explain the project in further detail and to chat more with Warwick Grace about inversions and the value that these Mesonet towers will be providing Murraylands and Mallee farmers. So sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. So today we're talking about the Riverland and Mallee Mesonet project, which is a network of 30 weather stations that have gone in across the Riverland and Mallee. Uh, the specific focus though, we've, we've spoken about spray drift before, but today we're going to specifically focus on inversions and science behind inversions and why they're so important and why this network of weather stations is so important for telling us about inversions. So, uh, my first question for Warwick is, what is an inversion? Okay, this is one of the simpler questions that I can take, Tanya. So, normally in the atmosphere, the atmosphere gets colder as we go aloft. Everybody knows, you take a stroll up into the Himalayas uh, and it gets colder. Now, most of the time in most of the atmosphere, that's the case. But there's a few times when it isn't. One is uh, right at the very top of the atmosphere. Uh, and also when there's a high pressure zone around, that's when we get occasions of smog. But also often in the morning, especially on a frosty morning, uh, the, the temperature at about one or 200 metres will actually be warmer rather than cooler than the, than the temperature down near mm. the ground. And that's what an inversion is. Yeah. So it's not, it's not something we can see though, is it? No, you can't, you can't see it. It's a bit like the wind. You can't see it. Um, except in the in the sense that uh, you can see when the trees bow down their heads and the wind is surely passing by, but you can't actually see an inversion. You can see sometimes the clues uh, when uh, smoke or mist is uh, very horizontal in performance. Um, sometimes in the evening, uh, farmers often notice that the, uh, the dust from behind a vehicle, rather than going up into a great big plume and dispersing, uh, just hangs around near the tyres and then... Mm. settles quickly that's an inversion yeah mm. and we see people sharing some of those great photos on social media where you can see dust or sometimes even cloud or or yes yes there's all sorts of uh, interesting photos on the internet of uh, inversions so it's actually easy pretty pretty remarkable to just do it yourself yeah mm. um it seems like in which we're talking a lot about inversions well we're talking about them more and more as we talking about how people spray and what implications that has for management on farm but 
inversions go back a long way in terms of people researching them and looking at them. What, what's the history behind it all? In fact, it goes back further than I was uh, thinking just a minute ago. It goes back to World War World War One when uh, people used to the Allies and the Germans uh, were uh, thinking about gas warfare. So you obviously didn't want the uh, the, the bad gas to come back on your own troops. So they thought about it then. Uh, they engaged meteorologists to to look at that. Uh, meteorologists being a bit ornery were, didn't want to do sorts of research like that so it fell out of favour uh, but then after World War II because uh, the uh, gas type weaponry had been uh, outlawed um, it, the research came back into uh, being relevant because uh, downstream of uh, nuclear, weather, uh, nuclear uh, uh, power stations uh, people were very concerned about um, particles that might come about from the dispersion and that's when inversions became uh, to the front and fore again of meteorology but um, then gradually it's been realized that uh, all sorts of pollution and spray drift etc is all related to inversions. It's um, quite incredible really uh, given that you know people knowing about inversions goes back as far as World War II yet there's still very few ways in which we can measure inversions and the mesonets you know, one of the first opportunities to actually give us some proper numbers around it. Well, that, that's right. Uh, when I talked about the um, uh, the nuclear power stations, obviously they had a, a lot of money to put up towers and people to climb up and down the towers to to uh, record the measurements. But uh, it's only been recently that we can we can do this, um, and you need two at least two uh, t temperatures uh, to be read at, so near the ground and then preferably about ten meters aloft. Uh, but even even up until uh, 20 years ago, that was uh, difficult to do because you'd need two thermometers, and if they if they were a little bit inaccurate, uh, then the actual difference in those two temperatures, uh, as recorded, would be highly inaccurate. So it's only been uh, recently when we have what's called thermocouples that we can do it uh, to the required accuracy that we need uh, over 10 meters. Mm. Could be done over 200 meters, but that would be that would require balloons to be flying around and things like that. Yeah, and how does wind speed factor into all of this? Yes, well, uh, the, the point about inversions is uh, is that it reduces the uh, the spread of any plumes of gas or dust or pesticide, and that's called dispersion. So in the wind, if you if you have your back to the wind, the wind is always, always uh, not static. In other words, sometimes it's faster and sometimes it's stronger. If you have a surge or a lull, but also, just as you might have a flag or some sort of uh, windsock, it's flapping left and right. And then if you think about it, and you probably haven't exactly, but it's actually also going up and down. So this is why if you have very light particles, they will uh, disperse in basically a great big conical plume. And so you see this behind the back of a truck mm. uh, on, a, on a sunny day, a great big plume comes up from behind them. But the wind, that might be going across the road, that will actually carry this whole thing as an entity. Mm, yeah. uh, so, so the dispersion comes about because there's fluctuations in the wind. And the whole point of saying all that is that inversions have a characteristic physics that they suppress all those fluctuations. Yeah, yeah, that's really interesting. Um, there are definitely some common myths out there about inversions, uh, especially where people can't 
don't have a mesonet to be able to measure measure things. Um, can you talk us through some of them? Well, even I, uh, some time ago, believed some of these, but uh, the fact is uh, a lot of people think if it's cloudy or, or windy, and some people say over 15 kilometres an hour or 11 kilometres an hour, uh, that there will be no inversion. Uh, they say sometimes that if they're on the side of the hill, there will be no inversion. Uh, but I can tell you categorically, pure facts and observation, that that's not the case. Uh, we've spent about four or five years investigating that. So uh, if it's windy and cloudy, even at night time, you'll probably have an inversion. Yeah, so the only real way to know is to measure it. That's that's right, um, and even in the daytime, most people uh, most people would say there's no inversion, but you can look at our mesonet nowadays as it's coming up, and you'll see sometimes that there is uh, inversions during the daytime. Yeah, uh, I think that just really sums up how lucky we are to have uh, the Riverland and Mallee Mesonet, and uh, we just hope that um, more of these become available across the countryside because it's such an important tool for farmers. Oh, I think so. So Mallee Sustainable Farming uh, will be running some workshops in collaboration with the Mesonet project team, and we're hoping to roll these out in the third week of February, and we'll have multiple locations across the Riverland and Mallee and we're inviting farmers, agronomists, uh, industry reps, anyone who's interested in learning more about the MesoNet, uh, how to use it to monitor spray inversion conditions, uh, grass fire danger index, all the suite of other measures that it, that it does uh, take, uh, to come along and attend one of these workshops. Uh, and we will have that advertised throughout our MSF network. Thank you very much, Warwick, for joining us today. We're looking forward to having you back in the third week of February for these workshops. And, uh, yeah, really, really thankful for the work you've done in the region. Okay. Well, it's been a pleasure. Thank you. Don't forget to share this episode with a mate if you took some value away from it. And be sure to subscribe, rate and review our podcast Thanks for tuning in and we'll catch you in the next episode.